E-N. Listen to KRVN on the FM. Find the latest market information, ag headlines, news, sports, and your favorite shows by tuning in to 98.5 FM in Grand Island and 106.9 FM in Kearney. 880 KRVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast from San Antonio, Texas in the U.S. Meat Export Federation meeting that is underway here the next couple of days. A lot of factors being looked at on the market today. Of course, we are dealing with the weather, what's been happening with Brazil and China. That, I think, has been a big topic issue as we get the details today from Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. So, Arlen, let's talk about Brazil and the kind of the agreement that seems to be coming with China. Yeah, exactly right. And first of all, I want to say just our prayers go out to the families of those killed in the school shootings uh, just about an hour west of you there. And yeah. um, and our heart goes out to them. But uh, talking about Brazil, you know, they're, they're a major producer of corn, obviously, become so over the last 10 years. And uh, China has not been buying from them because they've lacked a phytosanitary agreement to do so. And that's puzzled me for a long, long time why that was the case. Now, China preferred to buy its corn from Ukraine. In fact, if we look at 2020, they bought a little over 54%, I believe, of their corn imports came from Ukraine, about 42% from the United States, and the rest came from assortment of several other countries, but nothing really from Brazil. Uh, Last year, a much larger share of their corn came from the United States, because Ukraine had a drought, so they had a short crop. And, of course, this year the war has shut off that supply of corn for China. China doesn't like being dependent on the United States, particularly as we've become rival economies and rival countries. So they've been looking for an alternative, and I think the war with Ukraine has kind of pushed them over the edge to do that. And so now we're looking to uh, see that uh, shipments of corn from China Pick, uh, to China from Brazil pick up. And already there's rumors of significant purchases of cargoes of corn for this fall moving into China. Um, so we'll likely see our Chinese shipments slow as we get into the fall. Now, what's the longer-term impact of this on our, on our balance sheet? Let's keep in mind that the global balance sheet is very tight right now, particularly with, I mean, that was the case before the Ukrainian war, and that got exasperated when Russia invaded Ukraine and shut off the ports so that Ukraine couldn't export anything through the ports anymore. So what this means is if China is going to buy what it's going to buy from Ukraine instead of the United States, then many of the customers who were buying from Brazil before get displaced and have to seek another option. Where does that business go? It comes to the United States. Yes, Argentina is also an exporter of corn, a significant to the top three. The top four are United States, Argentina, Brazil, and Ukraine. Ukraine is no longer a factor. Um, but Argentina has its set of customers as well. So this is kind of just reshuffling the deck chairs on the sinking Titanic right now when supplies are tight. Down the road a few years when supply global supplies have been rebuilt, this is more of a bearish story for the United States. 
near term, though not so much. It's just getting overplayed by the market right now. Um, and, uh, you know, that time will pass when they start to realize we still have tight supplies and solid demand. I was going to ask, when all, when all this started to come out, do you think it caught some in the market by surprise that this agreement was moving along so quick, knowing that we have great supplies right here in the States? Yeah, I think, frankly, most people didn't even realize they, they thought China was buying from Brazil all along. Um, so, you know, I find the response a, a little bit surprising. Let's keep in mind that the overwhelming majority of the contracts that are traded uh, at the Chicago Board of Trade are electronic and driven by computers. And so it was the headline selling computers that I think led the way on this selling um, and uh, that started to turn the momentum. Wheat was already on its way down after reaching a, a chart objective. And uh, so this just kind of added to that uh, momentum. So let's look at, I know, and I was reading over your midday commentary earlier today, and you talked about the Federal Reserve um, is scheduled to release their minutes. Having said that, is that going to weigh in on the way we see the grains trade and obviously the way inflation has been as of late? Yeah, it'll be interesting how how the markets react to this. Generally, what we're seeing happen, uh, or what the Fed minutes indicate, and they just came out as we were speaking, um, it showed that the, the Fed only intends to uh, lower, excuse me, raise interest rates by 50 basis points or so for the next two meetings, and then after that, it plans on quitting as we approach the uh, the midterm elections. So that eases up a little bit on Wall Street's fears that the Fed is going to overreact and over-tighten, so to speak, at least in the near term. So we've seen a positive reaction from the outside markets to that. We'll have to see how that then impacts the grain and oil seeds going forward. Now, if this means that the Fed is not reacting quick enough because it's worried about influencing elections, it can mean that we're going to see um, uh, inflation get more out of hand. That'll be part of the key. But let's not forget, it's not just about rate hikes. It's also about the rate at which they shrink the balance sheet. And if you look at the rate at which they shrink the balance sheet, they've already set that plan into motion. And by September, we will have scaled up to $95 billion reduced purchases of securities per month. That comes to a trillion dollars per year. And uh, over the next several years, the expectation is is that spending is going to require another trillion dollars of treasuries to be auctioned off. So that's a $2.5 trillion deficit in demand for treasuries. And how does the market respond to that? Raises interest rates. So we'll probably still see rates going up because of the lack of Fed buying um, is it tries to find people who will fund the government spending. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue with the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell on this Wednesday. We'll look at what's been happening over in the wheat market. And, you know, there was some negotiation talk that fell through when it came to Russia and Ukraine and those ports. More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell from the U.S. Meat Export Federation meeting in San Antonio on the Rural Radio Network. We're back with another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish of Fontenelle Hybrids visiting with dealer Norm Brueger in the Albion area. Norm, tell us about one of the positive aspects that you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle. I feel that uh, the Fontenelle seed uh, is very consistent year in and year out. You know, the weather in Nebraska, we got late plant, we've got drought, we've got insect pressure, and Fontenelle seems to be steady. We're always kind of rolls right through all of those 
weather conditions and uh, anything Mother Nature throws, it, it seems to uh, withstand the conditions that we plant in very, very well. They are wonderful to work with uh, Fontenelle people. We've had excellent district sales managers and return customers. Uh, they come back, they're satisfied. It's a real joy working with Fontenelle people. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can certainly contact Norm Brueger in the Albion area, any one of your local Fontenelle dealers, or you can find us on Facebook or by going to Fontenelle.rbn. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with StoneX. And, you know, last week we saw that crop progress, too, over the last uh, week and a half or so come through for, for wheat quality, that is. Um, no surprise that we saw some lower numbers happening in Oklahoma and Kansas, though I understand some beneficial rains have hit some areas. Might be a little bit too late. But does that add a whole other layer of pressure for this wheat complex? Yeah, it does. And as I indicated in the previous segment, uh, there's some other factors at play as well. Chicago wheat hit a record high in mid-May. I think it was on the 17th of May. So about a week ago, a little over a week ago. Kansas City came within pennies of a record high. When you get to those levels and the funds have big profits in their longer bought positions, they get a little bit nervous, particularly when they start hearing rumors about maybe Russia will open up the blockade on Ukrainian exports and uh, they, they see the rains that are falling in the plains and they start to get nervous uh, and uh, so they start selling and taking profits so that they don't leave too much on the table. That started to turn the momentum and then the momentum trading computers start adding sell signals and then the charts start breaking down. That adds to the downward momentum and it just kind of feeds on itself and of course the end users, the mills, are short bought. They're short on coverage for June, July, uh, August, September, and into the fall. They need to buy, and they know the fundamentals. They know that global supplies are tight, and and so they're watching that. So they're looking for opportunities to buy. And we started seeing some of those come out, led first by Minneapolis today, which did manage to end up in the green. Uh, and then we saw Kansas City nearly erase all of its losses today as well. Does that mean the near-term bottom is in? I don't know. We'll need to see some follow-through buying over the next couple of days to close out the week. Um, but for now, it looks like we're starting to find some stability. When you look at the rains in the plains that have fallen, What's fallen in Texas and Oklahoma is too late. Um, maybe northern Oklahoma, in, what, in particularly in the Oklahoma panhandle, that area, we can help her add a little kernel size. But for the most part, it's too late. Um, as you come into southern Kansas, then then you start seeing a little bit of opportunity improve a, more, a little bit more as you go toward northern Kansas, eastern Colorado. You have some opportunity. But a lot of the damage has already been done. The rains are beneficial. We appreciate that. It'll certainly help the summer crops. And uh, we certainly needed to replenish the area. You know, um, but uh, that's not going to help a, a lot. We need more. And we've still got the planning delays that are going to reduce acres in the northern plains. You know, Arlen, there's been all this talk, too, about, you know, the, the asking uh, of Russia to help open these ports to get some grains moved out of the Black Sea region. And it's almost like, who's kidding who? Do we really think that's going to happen at this point? Yeah, I think that the headline reading computers and some of the hedge fund managers are thinking, oh, no, what if it happens? And I could be a loss in the positions I have. But from a reality standpoint, what are the odds of that? You know, Russia boldly says, well, the Maripol port is open. Yeah, who controls Maripol now? 
Russia does. Um, so anything that goes through there, they're going to say is, is theirs and just provide more revenue for them in their war effort. And they've been continuing to bomb Odessa. Um, and Odessa is the main deep water port for Ukraine exports. So they haven't shown any indication that they really have an interest. In fact, their whole strategy from the start has been to try to prevent Ukraine from exporting. Um, they've bombed uh, rail lines or Ukraine was trying to move grain to the west to go over land. They've uh, been doing air- hitting uh, Odessa with airstrikes as well as Markiv. And so... I'm really skeptical that uh, Russia is going to uh, allow exports out of Ukraine because I think it goes against what they desire to happen for Ukraine. Flip over to the livestock side, and and another struggle continues again in this cattle market. What are your thoughts as we move midweek? Yeah, we're probably getting close to finished up already in the Southern Plains, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, mostly 137 down of basically a dollar on the week. So a little bit softer. In fact, a little bit softer in the north as well, two, three dollars on a dress basis. So it's kind of soft. We did initially see some good strength in the feeder cattle market with the cheaper feed prices, but as corn kind of erased its losses today, that kind of disappeared and we're losing a little bit of momentum we had a big slaughter week last week uh looks like we're going to pair that back down a little bit this week with a smaller saturday kill as we go into the holiday and then of course next week as well with the monday holiday so it looks like we're going to lose a little bit of ground there so overall uh looks like we've stabilized things a little bit this week the funds have largely liquidated their big speculative positions and now they're getting a little bit of ownership again but we still need the consumer to come back and right now the consumer is not real excited about that with the economy being what it is well great information today arlen what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you stonex.com or over on twitter at arlen ff 101 and that is today's fontanelle final bell just a reminder commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors the fontanelle final bell brought to you by fontanelle hybrids and all your local dealers on the rural radio network